You're listening to the Vibrant Happy Women podcast, episode number 183. We're talking about understanding men. (laughs) Stay tuned. Hi, I'm Dr. Jen Riday, former burned out mom of six turned happiness whisperer. And I'm here to help you get off that hamster wheel and make time for yourself without the guilt so you can live a balanced, calm, heart-centered life. With over 2.5 million downloads, this is the Vibrant Happy Women Podcast. Hey ladies, Jen here, welcome back. We have a great episode today. We're gonna be kind of tackling our limiting beliefs about men. Whether you're married or single, we all have beliefs about men, beliefs about relationships, beliefs about our abilities to be in relationships. And imagine this, those beliefs affect our relationships. Go figure. So we're going to be talking about that with our guest today, Marnie Batista, who is a relationship coach. And you're going to love so many of the tips she will be sharing about not only dating, but also once you're in a relationship, tips to get along in that relationship. Before I talk to Marnie, I want to ask you, have you signed up for the Vibrant Happy Women Retreat happening at the end of January 2020? I will be there. My best friend Kit will be there. Many past guests of this podcast will be there. And I think you should be there. The retreat is an excellent place to let loose of all of the stress in your life, to just shake all of that stress off, let it melt away, and to come home to you, to come back to yourself, to find the most vibrant and happy version of yourself. And that happens very, very easily when you are surrounded by other women who are doing the same thing. It's like synergy. We draw on each other's energy and it maximizes what you're going to accomplish in a four-day weekend. Spots are limited. And I hope that if you have any inkling to be there, that you go out and make it happen. Now, there's something else. I know that some of you will not be able to make it to the in-person retreat in Florida in January 2020. To help you have a similar experience, I am creating an online retreat. It is happening the second weekend of November, November 8th and 9th, 2019, and it's online. It's called the Vibrant Happy Women Online Retreat. It's actually one of my greatest ideas ever. Listen, here's what's happening. I am encouraging those who sign up to get an Airbnb, to get a hotel, to bring a friend, and to spend the weekend coming home to yourself. Same thing as the in-person retreat in Florida. You'll let loose of the stress, let the overwhelm melt away, and come home to yourself. We're going to be meeting virtually for the online retreat through a video chat. I will be leading workshops all kinds of workshops that will bring you back to the best, most vibrant and happy version of yourself. And the cool thing is you don't have to buy plane tickets. You don't have to travel. You can just meet up with your bestie or some of your besties, plural, and get an Airbnb and spend a weekend working on you. This is the perfect thing to do just before the holidays because the holidays can get a bit hairy for us women. And having this Vibrant Happy Women online retreat the second weekend of November will be your chance to prepare to have a very grounded and calm and happy holiday season. 
the best news. If you sign up for the in-person retreat, you get the virtual online retreat free. I will be announcing more about that online retreat in episodes ahead. For now, just know that if you're thinking about the in-person retreat in Florida in 2020, go sign up now at jenriday.com retreat, and you will get the online retreat free as a bonus. Pretty sweet. Now you are here in this episode to learn about men and relationships and dating and marriage. And we have so many great nuggets of wisdom on these topics from my guest today, Marnie Batista. She has some great ways to think about things different than you might've heard before, especially in the areas of how we limit ourselves in our relationships. We limit ourselves believing that marriage should look a certain way, men act a certain way, women act a certain way. And we talk in this episode about how to let go of those limitations and change your beliefs to something more empowering. So many nuggets of goodness. Let's dive in. Hey, my friends, I am talking about understanding men today. I am talking with Marnie Batista, and she's the queen of helping women understand men, whether they're dating and looking for that perfect one or whether we already have that perfect one and we want to understand them better. Her brand, Dating with Dignity, teaches successful women a cutting edge process based on neuroscience and authenticity to attract the perfect man and to keep the perfect man. So let's go ahead and dive in. Marnie, welcome to Vibrant Happy Women. I'm super happy to be part of that crew for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Good. Vibrant and happy. Let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. We're recording this on a Friday. And so I feel particularly vibrant and happy on Fridays. So perfect. Well, that's me too. Yeah. Well, let's start off with a quote, a good quote to get us juiced up for this awesome interview. Oh, one of my favorite. It's a quote. It came from when I was just divorced, the first go. And I was like traveling in Europe, you know, getting my mojo back. And I went to Prague and there's this thing called the John Lennon Wall. And I walked up there and I saw this quote and it's become my family mantra, my business mantra. And it says, don't let fear get in the way of your biggest dream, Mm -hmm. even if your biggest dream is your biggest fear. Oh, oh, that's good. And it didn't say, yeah, and it didn't say who said it. It's anonymous. No, it's somebody like freaking graffitied it. You know, what's crazy is if you Google that quote, which you all can after you're done listening, there's an image that comes up and I have a photo. I took a photo of it. And so whoever was at the wall that day, you know, however many years ago, And I, you know, took a photo and that person put it online. And so it's captured there, which is kind of crazy. That's a good one. So how do you say it one more time? Don't let fear. Don't let fear get in the way of your biggest dream. Even if your biggest dream is your biggest fear. Ooh. So how do you apply that? Well, I think, you know, what's really important and I work with lots of women and they're like, my biggest dream is, you know, I want to be in this amazing relationship. And then you're in that amazing relationship. The thing is that so many of us come to those relationships or come to dating with these huge fears. We're going to get left. He's going to cheat. They're going to die. You know, I'm going to, you know, I'm not thin enough, young enough. We have fear. And so that fear can get in the way of us actually having true emotional intimacy and connection with our partner because being vulnerable is super scary. Mm -hmm, For sure. Okay, so fear can really stop us from having the dream relationship or keeping it. So how the heck do we stop being afraid? (laughs) Well, so here's what's amazing is you can't. You know, we our biology, our neurobiology is wired to keep us safe. 
So it's a good thing. The thing is, you know, none of us are, you know, running away from lions anymore. However, things that happen to us, whether it is something that happened in childhood, you know, a parent who left or you had a big breakup or you were cheated on, right? There's this little part of your brain called the amygdala, which I kind of liken to a smoke detector. And so what happens is that smoke detector starts running the show. So one of the first things that you can do, and it sounds so simple, but it's really, really powerful and most people don't do it, is when you start to feel fear or have stories in your head that are the result of fear, like, you know, maybe there was someone better out there for me. Should I stay or should I go? You know, if I tell him this, is he going to leave me? Mm-hmm. When we have those feelings of fear, what's really important is to do some good old fashioned self-talk and couple it with something somatic or physical. So I can go into that, why that's important. But saying things to yourself like, oh my gosh, totally, of course you would feel this way. It makes perfect sense that you would feel this way because blah, blah, blah. It's okay. The minute that you start to actually acknowledge your fear and give yourself permission, that hypervigilance, that smoke detector kind of chills out. You use the somatic techniques and then you can actually start to be rational. And from that place, then you have clarity and you can make smart decisions, adult decisions, not decisions based on that fear. Yeah. Well, this is reminding me a little bit of EFT tapping. What somatic or physical things are you talking about? Yeah. So tapping is actually amazing. Also, you know, one of the most important things that you can do if you're out in public or you're in a conversation with somebody, and this is based on the work of Kristen Neff. And what we have is this thing called the mammalian caregiving system, which means that if we hold our own hand and like stroke our thumb on the top of our hand, like you would with somebody that you love, you're holding their hand and you would just stroke their hand, that activates this piece of your biology and your neurobiology that actually will calm you down. So holding your own hand, stroking it, actually, if you put your hand on your cheek and you kind of stroke your cheek, your earlobe, putting your hand on your gut, on your belly and kind of rubbing your your fingers on your stomach, also on your on your chest or your heart. So when you're doing these things and you are saying the words to yourself of self-soothing and self-compassion, everything sort of slows down and we can actually then start to make more rational decisions and have and have the thoughts that allow us to create connection rather than running away, shutting down, numbing out, getting angry. I love this. I was talking to someone recently and they said the amygdala is like the child part of our brain. And then our prefrontal cortex is like the adult part of our brain. And it makes perfect sense. Well, let's go soothe that amygdala, soothe that child with the kind words and the soft touch and the stroking the cheek. And it's crazy. It works. So it's it's kind of a fun it way to look totally at it. It totally works. It is. And, you know, recently over last weekend, I saw, you know, uh, the Elton John movie, big movie. Anyway, and uh, there's a whole sort of like, you know, childhood thing going on in this story of how he overcomes addiction. And there's a really I'm not going to do a spoiler, but there's a really powerful scene at the very end of the movie that really is like exactly that. We all have this little part of us inside that had some stuff happen and we all have it. It's universal. You know, suffering is a universal part of being human. It's it's just what it is. And so being able to instead of squish it down or ignore it or pretend it doesn't happen And just sort of like make friends with it and learn to manage it is a really, really powerful way to start creating connections because that amygdala says, you know, basically stay safe, go hide, 
shut down, don't let anyone in. And so that's going to push your partner away. It's going to have you showing up on dates with sort of an energy that says, I'm hard to reach. And that's not what an emotionally aware, like modern guy, he doesn't want to work that hard to have to like, you know, get in and reach you. Mm -hmm. So if you're pushing them away, it's odds are it's not going to work. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, it's what's crazy is, you know, I think we're all like, culturally and socially educated with this like play hard to get thing. Yeah. You know, it's like you're a kid and they push on, you know, they pull your pigtails and then you're supposed to stick your tongue out and run away. And right. And the thing is, what's really amazing. And I talk to women from in their 20s to their 60s. And that like play hard to get thing is so perpetuated. And the truth is that adults don't want to play games in relationship. And that's ultimately what you're doing. And a, a high quality man, a guy who's capable of having that deep connection that everyone's looking for, he doesn't want to have to chase you. He doesn't want to have to read your mind. When you let a guy know how you're feeling, what you need, they're like, oh, thank you. I just need the manual. (laughs) Tell me how to make you happy. Tell me what you need. And that's vulnerability and that creates connection. Wow. I actually notice a little skepticism in me. My brain knows that what you're saying is true. But then there's the skeptic in me saying, okay, but how many high quality men are really out there? <laughs> you know, <laughs> ah, that's what's so cool. There's so many. There's so, so many, Jen. Uh-huh. It's kind of amazing because the thing is, first of all, which is amazing, I think in our society, we've got sort of a lot of stuff going on and there's this overall consciousness sort of awareness movement. And so, you know, <laughs> there's and women are like, where are the men that are and they're going to the, you know, the, the seminars and the boot camps and they're working on themselves. And I think the truth is, and I think this is why it's really important to have some compassion for men right now, whether it's your husband or someone you're dating, they're going through their own crap, you know, like here and for better or worse, you know, men had a certain sort of role in our culture. You know, they were supposed to pursue, they were supposed to be chivalrous, you know, and there's no model and there's me too. And there's all this stuff going on. And so they're like afraid to ask you for your phone number. They're Mm. afraid to like ask, you know, can I pick you up? Can I walk you to your car? I did an interview with someone on my show once. And what she said is that one of the number one fears that all men have, which never existed in our society before, was of being a predator. Oh, that's so sad. So (laughs) sad, right? And so, you know, and so... It's crazy. And what's amazing is when I work with clients and I'm coaching them to have these vulnerable conversations, the guys are like, oh, my God, like, thank you for saying that. I was just like, I was afraid that you weren't into me and I didn't want to be that creepy guy. Or I read online that like women like to be texted. So I'm texting you. I did. Thank you for telling me you want to be called. Oh, my gosh. It's so sad. You know, all the pressure. There's still even though we're empowered and me too and all of that. I think there's still all this pressure on men to initiate, you know, uh, and then they well, don't know there, how. There is. Yeah, exactly. They're like, OK, so I'm supposed to pursue you. But then if I pursue you or or if you so because of that fear thing, this is what's crazy, right, is and because of that, like, oh, you know, if somebody likes me, then I don't know if I should like them. It's that Groucho Marx quote, which I can't remember. But so I have clients all the time. They do all this work and they attract this high quality guy and he's really into them and he's like showing up and they're like, OK this feels weird. Like, I don't even know what to do with attention because I'm so used to being afraid. So it's definitely crucial that we have really honest, direct communication and compassion for ourselves and for each other because relationships are clumsy and that's okay. 
but the effort is really important. Mm. So let's do two conversations here. Let's start with addressing if someone is single or divorced and entering the dating process, how do they attract that perfect guy and then keep him? And then Mm. how do we apply the same type of practices if we already have a guy and we want it to get better? So let's start with the first one. Let's say someone's dating. They're skeptical. There's even this great guy out there. Where do they start in terms of finding and attracting that person? Well, so the first thing that's really important is just be honest with yourself and write out a list of all of the stories and beliefs that you have about what you think is really true, right? Like all your skepticisms, right? There's no good men. Men just want to have sex. You know, they just want me to have sex. You know, nothing lasts, whatever it is. Just write it out, right? And kind of title it like beliefs that are going to get in the way of me having the life and the lifestyle that I want. Hmm. And that'll work for both single or married. Beliefs that will get in the way. Absolutely. Absolutely. I do this every year at the beginning of the year. You know, I really look at like, what are all the beliefs? And I'm totally married. I've been with my husband for 10 years. I was like, oh my God, I have so many stories about my husband right now. It's Mm -hmm. crazy, right? Yes. And so then what I do is I make another list and I'm like, empowering beliefs that allow me to have the lifestyle that I want. Wow. Even if you're with the guy that you don't necessarily think is perfect, you can start just shifting your beliefs and it will start to shift that. Yeah. Well, so just having that awareness and then doing that, it makes perfect sense you would feel this way. But the truth is, you know, when I speak, I say, you know, we act like single women act like, you know, some explosion went off and all the great men totally evaporated and all that's left are unemployed, alcoholic, homeless men. That's, <laughs> you know, that's not true. Right. You know, that's not true. So the thing is, you know, what you think you bring about. Right. So if you just look at it, you go, my gosh, no wonder. I'm not attracting the right guys. This is what I believe is true. So what would it look like if I just spent 24 hours just for fun, just for practice, if I didn't allow fear, because all those beliefs are based on fear, if I actually took on the embodiment, if I didn't look at my phone, if I smiled at people, if I actually was that person who believed that there are great men, that there are whatever, you know, that my husband really cares about me, that my husband is responsible, whatever your stories are. Notice just what shifts in a day of being your empowering beliefs. And I know it sounds like, oh, my God, I've heard this before. But I promise you, if you take on the somatic, the physical, right, Mm -hmm. and you live it, see what happens in a 24-hour period. Wow. Well, okay, let's do an example here. I believe my husband is insensitive. What would I do? (laughs) Ah, okay. That's great. Awesome. So can I just, can I give you a little parentheses on that? Because I think it's really important. Yes. Okay. So I hear this a lot. So often what happens is we believe our partner is insensitive because they don't know how to be empathetic. Mm -hmm. Okay. So give me an example. Like what might you say, or you can make it up, that you would say and your husband would say something that made you believe he was not sensitive? (laughs) Oh, gosh, this is hard. Okay, let's say I have, we had a struggle with a couple of our kids recently, and I was sad. And he said, well, I'm sad, too. I guess you'll have to deal with it on your own. (laughs) So I was like, okay, glad you care. Right, right, exactly. Glad you care. Okay, great. So so what you needed to hear was a version of like, oh, yeah, this is so hard. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm so, baby, you know what? I know this is hard for you. Right, Just to be heard and understood, right? Yeah. So empathy, 
So what happens is most <laughs> most men don't run things through what I call, my husband calls the empathy app, right? Which is like, <laughs> oh my God. Now the thing is this, so so what's going on for him probably is when you feel bad, he feels bad because you feel bad and he doesn't want you to feel bad. Yeah. So he's just like distancing, right? Yes, totally. Right? Okay, so going back, so my husband is insensitive. The empowering belief could be, my husband loves me. He doesn't know how to show support for me, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. then you're like, oh, well, I'm empowered. So then you could have that revisit conversation. You know, I realize that when I say something that is about my feelings or I'm scared, I'm sad, I don't hear you just acknowledging that. And what I need is for you to just say like, oh, that it's, you know, teach him. What is empathy? What do you need? Yeah, I like that. And instead of just having the lens of bad guy jerk, I have the lens of unskilled. He loves me. I'll teach him, you know, totally. Oh, different. Totally. Because the thing is, in that example, he's totally sensitive because he said to you, I'm sad, too. Yeah, right. He just couldn't handle any more sadness from me. <laughs> he couldn't, right? He was like, I can't be responsible for your sadness. Yeah. So and that's just a really great example of looking at a belief and then getting clarity on it. Because our, you know, we, our brains have like, you know, the whole negative bias thing. So we're, you know, if I said to you, Jen, give me, you know, 50 examples of why your husband's insensitive, you know, we're having like brunch, you'd be like, oh my God. And then the other day, right? Yeah. Our brains do that. So then we start to look at like, okay, Jen, well, what are all the ways that your husband shows up for you when you tell him what you need or what you want? Oh, this one's so good. Because just as you were saying that I started to create that new mantra, my husband is sweet and loving. And it's true. Let me give you some examples. <laughs> yeah, let's and do I, it. These will roll off my tongue. I don't know why they don't come to mind first, but um, he'll clean up the kitchen, even though it's not a value of his. Almost any night I'm not here. Whenever I want to leave, he's like, go have fun. There's never a guilt trip. He's a really good dad. He puts kids to bed. He's excellent with money. I mean, there's all these sweet things. He's. I had to borrow money from him recently, and he was totally cool with it. He just like was generous. Also, finally, a great lover. So lots of great things. Totally. So and all those things require him to be emotionally resourced, which means he is sensitive. He just needs training on what you need. Yeah. And it's funny, I went right to my husband's insensitive when really he's sweet and generous and loving. So I guess changing the statement would make me act totally differently toward him, like you're saying. Well, totally. And what's also cool, especially whether you're dating or you are in a relationship, it's really important to look at what is a guy earned. Right. Like, so if we look at the history, you just gave me like roll right off your tongue. Like he's totally earned some grace. He was in his at his amygdala and your amygdala were having like, you know, fighting in the sandbox. (laughs) Yes. Right. (laughs) Do you sometimes feel stuck like you just can't make progress towards your goals? BetterHelp Online Counseling is the answer. You can connect with a licensed professional counselor through text, chat, video or phone at a time that's convenient for you and get help with everything from depression to stress to family conflict and more. It couldn't be easier. I've always wanted to try EMDR therapy and BetterHelp paired me with an EMDR certified therapist in less than 24 hours. We had our session over video and it was awesome. The best part, I didn't have to drive anywhere and my counselor is amazing. You need to check out BetterHelp today. It's already very affordable and Vibrant Happy Women listeners get an additional 10% off your first month with the code HAPPY. Go to betterhelp.com happy, fill out their questionnaire, and they'll match you with the perfect counselor for you. If it's not a match, you can switch therapists at any time free of charge. 
Try it today. BetterHelp.com slash happy. Welcome back. Let's say someone is single and they want to find that perfect guy. So they start telling a new story. What would be their next steps? So the next step is to really understand that your, your strategy needs to be specific. So what I want to say is that, and this is a total great tie into what we were talking about earlier about gender roles. And so women go online or they're out and about and they just are like, all right, so the guy needs to talk to me. The guy needs to reach out to me. So here's the thing. Online, especially women get so many more invitations than men do. And so what I would encourage you to do is to go online and to start sending messages out because a guy's inbox isn't flooded and crowded. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this is where you can totally be the badass that you are at work or like, you know, in your leadership roles that you have, the board you sit on, whatever it is, and be assertive, not aggressive, but assertive, right? And say, you know, like, hey, I hope you're having a great week. I'd love to meet you for a drink or coffee or whatever it is. A guy's going to be like, wow, that's so refreshing. (laughs) You know, and then it's really an important process to reach out, take whoever responds back, have an opportunity to get them on the phone for 10 minutes, see how it is, see what the vibe is, see if they ask you out. What happens is because we're not, we're not speaking our truth. We're not being authentic. We're playing these games. We women do such crazy things that make dating really hard, like texting or talking to a guy online for days and weeks without him asking you out. Hey, hi, beautiful. How's your day? Hey, what's going on? What are you doing? And they never ask you out. Okay, just no, don't do that. That's annoying. You're annoyed. Hey, you know, I really am enjoying getting to know you, but I'm in a place where I'm looking for a long-term relationship. And for me, I know I need to meet. So what about those drinks? I'm free Saturday, Mm -hmm. right? And if he doesn't respond, get rid of man clutter. Yes. Ooh, that's such a good quote. Get rid of man clutter. (laughs) Yes, right? Because every time we get a little hit in our phone or inbox, we either get a hit of dopamine, like it feels good, like, you know, or we get irritated. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, nobody wants to go out with someone who <laughs> is irritating them. Yeah. So even if he does ask you out and it's taken weeks, you're like, oh, my God, you know, this guy better not be a jerk. Like that is definitely going to leak in your date. You're going to show up whether your arms are crossed or not. You're going to come across as uh, very hard to get aloof, unhappy. In fact, I had a client I was working with and she was really not aware of how her beliefs were leaking onto her dates. And she went out on a date and she came back and she said, you know, I know, Marnie, you told me I have to go out with this guy three times. So I suppose I'm going to give him another try. And I was like, like, do you want to go out with that person? So anyway, we talked about it. He did ask her out again. And so she said yes. And we were working on changing her, her approach. And the guy said, wow, I'm actually shocked you said yes, because the entire date, I thought you were not having me at all. And she said, you know, she said on that date, I thought I was being kind and charming and open and interested. But her like, yeah. So the other thing I want to tell you is you can't hide your beliefs. All that list, the first list is showing up. 
So totally. make sure you actually are on the date with the second list. <laughs> right, right. And, you know, you said get rid of man clutter. I keep thinking Marie Kondo. Does this man uh, spark joy? Yeah. Does this date spark joy? <laughs> exactly. Literally. Yes. Marie Kondo, your phone, for sure, with the men totally. that are coming into your life. Because it's not about quantity. It's about quality. And your time is precious. So you want to be open and you want to give them the benefit of the doubt. And also, you don't need to put up with things that are not bringing you joy. Yeah. Well, I have this friend who is approaching age 40, and that's symbolic to her of it's all over. There's no guy for me now. And she is so afraid of even putting herself out there that she won't even go through any of these steps you're talking about. What advice do you have for someone who can't even put their name onto the the apps or wherever they're going to find these people, you know, to date? Yeah. So it's hard. I mean, the first thing I would say to your friend is, yeah, you know, it's really hard. You have a vision for what you think your life is going to look like at a certain age. And it's frustrating, you know, and I think for first of all, for a woman to hear that versus like, oh, come on, put yourself out there. Don't, you know, that's not acknowledging, right, how frustrating it is. So number one, we give people permission to be sad and frustrated. Mm, and empathize like you just did. And empathize. Where empathy goes a long ass way. So then number <laughs> two is, you know, so what are you exactly afraid of? Mm-hmm. And make them right. go all the way to the, <laughs> the worst yeah. case scenario. Yeah, exactly. And and then really make sure that you have the skills to do it properly, mm -hmm. right? Because the the conversation out there among single people goes something like online dating sucks. It's so hard. You know, all that's going on. Meanwhile, you're like 50% of the people now that are creating partnership are meeting online. Yeah. Right. So it's it works. And so it's really important to really look at, number one, I understand how you feel. Number two, what is it that you really want? And number three is what do you need to be able to get there? Mm -hmm. Yeah, true. Resources. Right. Resources, <laughs> right? Because because the thing is, if you just say, you know, suck it up, bug it or cup, keep doing. I mean, if you're not changing anything, then why would you? Yeah, right. Right. So clarity is really important. And once you can do that empathy, then your your resources, your prefrontal cortex can get activated. So she's probably a, an amazing, successful, cool chick. She's 40. She's a grown up. She probably problem solves all day long. Yeah. Right. So one of the great things, and this goes through any challenge you're having single or in a relationship. And we, we always forget this. What are five ways I could solve this problem? Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's hard. Because when you're frustrated, you don't want to use your thinking brain. <laughs> you don't, right? You don't. And and, you know, my pet peeve is not showing up resourceful, you know, and open because, yeah, but if you hear yourself saying, yeah, but then what you're doing is you're basically creating evidence that you're right and you will stay right, but you will be stuck. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's true whether you're single or in a relationship. Hmm. What are five ways I could solve this problem? Well, this one's a hard one for me. Let's say someone's married and they're fighting in their marriage and they're thinking, oh, should we divorce? Should we stay together? Where do they go with this question? What are five ways I could solve this problem? Well, that's great. So number one would be, well, are we individually getting support, right? Like, do I feel like I'm showing up the best way that I can in this relationship? What do I need and how can I get it? Mm -hmm. Should we go do something together? Mm -hmm. Really looking at, I love this one, 
well, should I stay or should I go? Well, let's make a list. What are my core values and your core values? Let's just take a few days and really look at it. Let's have coffee. Let's put them on the table. Do we share the same core values? Mm -hmm. Do we have the same vision? Oh, we do. Okay. Well, then what are some problems that we're having? If we both want the same thing, we call these shoulder to shoulder conversations, which means that you sit next to each other, not across from each other. Mm -hmm. Right. And you say, so let's say you're arguing about money. You know, I'm trying to save for retirement and you keep buying stuff, mm -hmm. you know, and you're a jerk and you don't care and I do all the work and blah, blah, blah. Okay. So we both want to be able to travel in our 60s and we want to have like live by the beach in a small town. Like we have that vision. Okay, great. What's a way where you feel like you're getting some of your needs met now in terms of having things? And I feel like we are still working toward a plan to retire. What would that look like? Mm hmm. I love that open ended question. What would that look like? Totally. Yep. Shoulder to shoulder conversation. You create a joint problem solving statement and you work it out because once you know, like, oh, we actually do have the same vision. We do have the same core values. We can work it out. Now, let's say you show up and they're like totally different. When I work with women who are divorced and I ask them, what are your core values? They're like, oh, my God, no one like besides my husband being an X, Y or a Z, we totally didn't have the same values. No wonder it didn't work out. Ah. So, if, right. So if you're like, you know, I value A, B and C and he values X, Y and Z, you're like, gosh, we don't even want the same thing. Mm -hmm. For sure. So then what? Just because your values don't line up, does that mean you need to go for divorce? Well, I am never going to say that, but yeah, I'm going right. to say, right. So then why did we get together? Why are we here? Mm -hmm. What do we want? The other thing is, I love this one. So five ways I could look at this. This is a great question. What are individual expectations of what marriage or commitment looks like? Oh, yeah. Vision, catching each other's vision. Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, I remember when I was dating my husband for five years and he was like, I don't know if I can get married. And he was kind of freaking out. We broke up for a little bit and we came back together and we had this conversation and it was like, well, you know, I want like most men have a value around freedom for yes, sure. Right. Yes. And so he was like, well, I want to go travel the world. I want to go do this. I want to do that. I want to sail on a boat. Da, da, da. And I was like, well, so where what paradigm of commitment are you looking at this from? And he was like, well, my parents or this or that. And I was like, well, wait, here's the thing. You should totally go sail on a boat for a year and I will totally come meet you <laughs> in all these amazing places. I'll be on the boat for like a week or two. So the thing is, like lots of times there's creative ways to do your relationship that are outside the box. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it's your relationship. I have a really great friend right now. They've been married 26 years. She wants to experience what it's like to be a digital nomad. Her husband is like, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> right. I want to stay home this summer. So she found a program for four months where she's traveling. They're meeting up once a month, right, on, in these locations. But she gets to have that experience. She's always wanted to do it, to be a digital nomad. And so they're doing it. And people are like, oh, you're spending four months apart. And she's like, it's fine. We're totally yeah. great. Their marriage is going to be so much juicier after that time apart, for sure. Yeah, totally. But if you have that like limited belief system or you're like your mother would be like, you can never be away from your husband that many nights in a row. Right. Like so. <laughs> right. So looking at these problems from that creative space of love and respect and shared vision like opens up possibility. You still might arrive at like, we're not a match, mm -hmm. but it's really important to have those shoulder to shoulder conversations. 
to really create those joint problem solving statements, to get creative and get rid of the shoulds. Right, right. And sometimes not being a match is a good thing because opposites attract. And that's my husband. He's cautious. I'm adventurous. And he's good at finances and I'd rather spend. And we're very opposite. But that works out for us most of the time in so many ways. So it's a good, we're complimentary, I guess you say. Well, totally. And that's what's really important to realize is that mostly opposites do attract. I mean, literally, I'm your husband in, in my relationship. My husband's you. Those people never end up, my husband's right now off surfing and learning Spanish in Mexico for a week. Nice. Like, I would never do that. I'm like, you do you, boo. Right? Like, I would never do that. But the thing is, we have these shared values. Yes. Right? Like, overall. And so do you and your husband. Mm -hmm. And like you said, he's a good dad. Obviously, family is really important to you. For sure. There's some sort of responsibility that's really important to you, or you wouldn't love that about your husband, that he's financially responsible. Yeah. Because you you feel safe, or he's a good provider, or you feel whatever it is, right? It is true. <laughs> if he didn't yeah. if he didn't provide well, I'd be out of here. <laughs> yeah. <I'm kidding. laughs> and so if you look at, and this is a really great exercise, is look at the couples that you admire that have a solid relationship and look at how they live their shared values. Mm -hmm. Because every couple has challenges. That's normal. It's how do you get back to compatibility mm -hmm. that will create that joy for the long term? Well, really, when you say get back to compatibility, I feel like you're talking about how do you resolve differences of opinion? I mean, that's like the big tool that you either have it or you don't. How do you get that ability to safely and calmly resolve conflict without losing it on each other, you know? Well, totally. You know, there's like a few choices. You can avoid it, which a lot of people do. I don't recommend it. You can you can leave it, right? Like, I don't want to deal with this at all. So I'm out. You can try, try and change it or problem solve it. You can change your perception of it. Mm-hmm. Right. So number one is having a conversation when you're not in an argument about like, how do we want to handle conflict? You know, I find that I need to just take a deep breath and go for a walk around the block. Mm -hmm. I find that what I need, I just need you to hug me. Hmm. Yeah. Right. My husband and I had this great conversation the other week where I realized when he doesn't do that empathy thing, it doesn't matter what we're arguing about. It triggers this childhood thing I have of I'm not important. Mm -hmm. I literally can't even hear. I'm like, I'll just keep saying like, I just want him to say like, it's okay or I'm sorry. And so I was like, so what are we going to do about it when we have that thing? And I'm just going to say, I need you to be empathetic. Can you do that right now? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And does he do it? Yeah. So what's cool is we had this whole conversation about it. And the next time he was like, I know you want me to be empathetic right now, but I'm <laughs> feeling really frustrated. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, great, let's take a break. Yeah. Isn't that the truth? It took us so many years of marriage to realize when we're angry, we should stop. I don't know why it took us so long. <laughs> <laughs> well, because we just, you know, because of those defaults, you know, it's mm -hmm. just we get in these habits. And I think that's the other really important thing for couples to do, whether you're dating or you're in a committed partnership. If you keep having the same fight over and over again, or you keep having the same reaction, like a lot of women stonewall, mm -hmm. you know, like we get in a fight, then I get quiet, then he quote unquote behaves, right? <laughs> you know, we get in those loops and just go, okay, great. Let's just, let me look at that. Where in this circle could we make some different choices? Because mm -hmm. we're just going to get the same outcome over and over yeah. again, right? Change the pattern. Yeah. yeah. Change the pattern. Yeah. 
Yeah. So um, our new pattern is my husband will want, he'll be the stonewaller or he'll want to escape. But he agreed to start saying, I will talk to you in such and such time. So I would like it to be 20, but he'll say, I'll talk to you in, he used to say 12 hours. I'm like, no, three hours. Okay. Deal. (laughs) Right. That's so great. And then you can like calm, you know, calm the F down, right? Everybody can come back. Totally. And that's really, really great. So what's cool is, and I love this conversation because this is like the clumsiness of relationship. And often it might take a long time to get to that point. Mm -hmm. And because you have, again, it keeps going back to those shared common values. You keep revisiting it. Mm -hmm. Because here's the thing, we all grow and we change, right? And unless you want to get a new husband or, you know, new partner for every decade of your life, (laughs) Yeah, right. you got to sort it out because we we grow and we change like, yeah. you know, and so what can you do to get back to compatibility? Because love is necessary, but it's not sufficient enough. Mm-hmm. You have to start having some skills. Right. Learn how to solve the problems. I love it. So, Marnie, do you work with people who are dating and married? Do you have a, a specialty of who you're helping with with relationships? Well, what's really cool is I start out working with single women. They come to work with us. We help them partner up and then we work with them in their relationships, which is super awesome. And so we're teaching them all these skills and it's fantastic. Cool. That's really great. I love that. You grow with them. Well, we do. where can people learn more if they want to use your services for themselves or recommend a friend to find out more about you? Well, they can look at our website, datingwithdignity.com, or they can check out our podcast, The Dating Den, which is on iTunes and all of those places where one finds uh, podcasts. The Dating Den. That sounds really good. (laughs) Yeah. Come on into the den. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Marnie, what is your formula for being a vibrant, happy woman? Oh, my God. You know, my formula for being vibrant and happy is to create, I call it spaciousness. Mm. So I figured this out that I need spaciousness in my life, whether it's making sure that my appointments aren't back to back, that I set time for myself to just chill out or read a book or pursue something that I'm passionate about that's not work related, that I don't rush. You know, like I'm the girl who gets to the airport a little early. I need time and space. Going on a little weekend away really helps me. So I think what's important is figuring out for me, like once I have that, so that also means my environment, I like I'm thriving when there's no clutter, right? So me, vibrant and happy is space. I love it. Yeah, space. We need that, especially these days. Let's have one challenge from you to the listeners and we'll say goodbye. A challenge for you is to question your beliefs for 24 hours. Notice what you notice, notice what you believe, and then literally ask yourself, what is another way I could think about that? What also might be true? Mm-hmm. What else might be true? 